This is a conspiracy. That's what this is. One big damn conspiracy! And everyone's in on it! I know what's going on. Did IQs just drop sharply while I was away? person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. Did you see the memo about this? Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. Don't you see what this means? Welcome to episode 43 of You're Missing the Point podcast, where we discuss the weird, the wonderful, and the damn right bizarre aspects of life, as we have conversations with people from all over the world. Well, here we are, the final week before the Australian population head to the polls to decide yes or no to an Aboriginal constitutional voice to Parliament. In just three days, we'll know the outcome of over 12 months of media propaganda, divisive commentary, misinformation, secrecy, and lies. To help me cover this tail end of the national campaign, I've brought the whole gang together. Let us welcome Stella from Union of the Unknowns podcast, the beer brewing Queensland himself, my mate Wade, and the girl so far down the rabbit hole, she's in Wonderland, the one and only Lyra. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, Frank. Pleasure, mate. Well, here we are. Yeah, no worries. We had to have the whole gang together on this one because we are three days out from the vote. Postal votes are happening, mm. but it's kind of like since the last time we recorded together, it seemed like a whole heap happened at once and then nothing. And it seems like in the last, I don't know, say two to three weeks, there's been a lot of big issues happening within the no side of things on the campaign trail to do with volunteers, uh, people at booths, high class, prominent um, First Nations people accusing no campaigners of being racist and we've had some absolutely massive failures on debates from the yes campaign nationally so who would like to start off what what are we noticing leading up to this this final vote um well i've personally noticed the well the deception has been there all along but it just seems to be ramping up so um, it's a little bit more in our faces. Um, I guess some people are still falling for it. I don't know, but the numbers are saying that they're not. So um, it's a little bit of a useless referendum, really. It is. It, it was really nosediving pretty hard three, four months ago, and it seemed like it was going to get down to, like, I don't know, maybe 20. Very, the very strong mm. <laughs> estimate that that could have been the way. But now I'm seeing a lot of polls that are, suggesting that it's gained 15 points since the last time it went well down below 30 or 38, sorry. So I'm not seeing where it's getting this 15 from. Is this people polling at booths or polling in cities where people are actually pushing hard with the yes now, or do you think it's generally got some growth before before the vote? Well, I can I attest to that. Um, sorry, Stella, you go. Oh, sorry, I wasn't sure who was... 
going to respond. I'm just gonna, I was just going to say I just heard recently um, that there's a poll that they've been taking and um, that even that in itself has been quite deceptive because depending on what the reaction of the person is will then depend on what then they say. So it's sort of they're very much steering the poll. So, yeah, that's just Absolutely. something that I heard recently. We'll go to you, Wade, and then Sorry, I've got Wade. a question for Lyra in regards to polls and questions, but I'll, I'll go to you. What, what would you. What's your first hand? Yeah, so there was a um, a poll released today on uh, channel channel ten, I believe it was, that showed a, a market increase in the yes vote against the no vote to the point where it was come back to forty six fifty three or something around those closer lines with a five percent undecided. It was dug into and found out that that wasn't actually the case. It was a slanted figure based on you know sixty three thirty seven a. a, a more definitive split where the undecided 15%, you know, so take those percentages and the undecided 15% were then asked, okay, as you sit now, where, which way do you lean? Yes or no? Oh, we're undecided, but I would lean yes. So they took those as absolute yes or absolute no. That skewed the vote and it made people go yes, no, brought it back and it was going, oh, it's gotten really close. When once again, it's it's a slandered figure that they have no definitive answer for. This is the thing that always gets me, Wade. Though, and it's I seem to be once I've researched things, I tend to be an absolutist once I'm informed. But generally, I like to think I have a bird's eye view of what's going on. I don't like choosing either side because it's so easy just to not realise what's going on in the bigger picture. I still, to this day, do not understand how people can sit in an undecided position for any kind of major election in a country. Are they just not willing to be informed or learn about things? Or are they literally just waiting to the smile of the best person that gives them a, a flyer on the day? What are your thoughts on that, Wade? I think you're right, mate. Like, you and I are very similar in our the way we take things. If I've, if I've done some research and we've spoken at, at length on numerous topics, We've gone to the nth degree to work out that holy, this is this is it. This is the only answer it could possibly be. How people don't get to that level of of thought or research is it, it, it boggles the mind. But it also comes back to what they're like in their real life, where they could just flip flop between this and that. And it comes back to you. You would know. You would see a lot of people, and, and I'm sure Stella and Lyra could attest to this. The amount of people you ask, say, oh, yeah, who do you support in your football coach? Oh, I don't really have a team. I don't mind watching these. But they don't have a definitive bone in their body in what they do, hence why you see these polls, people flick, flick back and forth. And I think that's just a, there's a sector of the population that has that in general, and I think that's where that comes from. Which isn't in itself a terrible thing. Like, I think far too often people get stuck in team politics or team sports, the idea of this is my group, my team. If you had that ability to be very bipartisan on things and not really have one way or the other, it would be great if it was backed up by the ability to have your due diligence and researching the topic that's that's currently in a national conversation. Now, Lyra, this is a question for you. I do believe that one of the major polls that's been going around recently in regards to uh, First Nations support of of The Voice, there's a pretty staggering figure that the, the Yes campaign's putting out and that's being publicised by all mainstream media outlets, that 80% of First Nations people support 
the voice? What's your position on that? Senator Little from South Australia actually called that out and she said that she doesn't believe that those numbers are accurate. And when it was looked into, uh, basically it was a sample. So they did a sample poll and then they've said, this is what most people think. But obviously the sample poll, it'd be interesting to know who the sample was taken from. Um, but, yeah, there's so many issues like, uh, even universities are sending out emails saying things like, you know, make sure you choose the correct uh, choice and um, depending on how you're voting could impact basically what they're choosing to do at university. So it's getting pretty wild. Um, interesting that what Wade pointed out, you know, the slanted figure, that's so true, you know, like it's not representing the majority and then... Even you spoke about sports. I mean, do you recall Izzy Falau? And he basically expressed his religious views and the next thing you know, he doesn't have a contract anymore. And, you know, it was what a debacle and sport was supposed to stay out of things from then on. And, I mean, here we are. I would like to know how the universities know how the students are going to vote. I mean, are they just outrightly asking them? Because I seem to remember a time back in my day um, when your voting was actually sort of, you know, it was a private business. It was a little bit rude to ask how someone else was going to vote. Um, it's not quite as much like that now, but I think as far as getting people to tell you how they're voting, especially young people, that that shouldn't be right. I mean, that's not right, I don't think. No, I no. I'd yeah, just like to know how the uni knows. Always off the table. Well, I think this health is the problem. Politics. This is the problem modern day academia. Modern day academia has been infiltrated and taken over by what you would say is the social Marxist side of politics, right? They're openly telling people in emails. Yeah. There's professors sending out emails. If you're not voting yes in the upcoming referendum, you should seriously reconsider your position in this course. That in itself it's like is, and it's, it, it's, it's blackmail it without 100%. actually pushing the idea. They're not actually saying you're going to lose your... the conversation as well. So if they it voice is. that they're going no or anyone decides to campaign and they're from that university, then it's a no-tolerance position. Would um, you possibly class that as coercive control? Yeah. It's coercive you thought. Would. However, it's built into the school's policies via ESG. Well, mm. I've, I've got a little, a little, uh, a little thing I was sitting on today. One of my listeners, another tropical Canadian up there with you guys, Lyra and Wade. Uh, one of my listeners sent me a a post from uh, one of his good friends, who is also uh, uh, part um, First Nations. His mother, I believe, his mother is First Nations, and his friend is also um, of Big ancestry himself. But his school teachers in a public school were handing out yes buttons. So I know where these buttons have come from. These have come directly from the education union because I'm looking at the designs on the message right now. So it looks like a teacher's taken upon themselves to take resources that were only intended for union members of the teaching fraternity and was handing it out to children at a school. And the parent is none too pleased about this. Uh, I can read the message. Um, our kids are being targeted for the yes campaign by their own teachers. 
My son's school teacher was handing out big vote yes badges at the school today. We as part First Nations family and the fact that the school has targeted my autistic child this way has my family very pissed off. I wanted to tell you straight away as this is something they should be held accountable for or at least confronted about. Who better to do that than Rebel News? <laughs> so, so this might blow up a bit um, through the images I'm seeing. I've clearly left out names and everything for the people's an- anonymity, but I dare say this will probably become, uh, if the whole Israel thing wasn't going on now, the Israel-Palestine conflict, I would say that this would, would have been national news pretty quickly. Because if we're seeing unions actively pushing teachers or teachers taking it upon themselves to push that type of stuff in their classrooms, that is completely against the charter of what the union says. So that's a big issue. That teacher should be reprimanded for it. Yeah, it's just like what we've just been through, only insert different subject, you know, as far as coercion goes and making people do things against their will. Well, it's... It's the reason I bring up that exact sentence is because today, uh, Pallet Jack released that they had actually passed through the coercive control laws in Queensland as of today. So the reason I brought that up is you can make that against any case. And if they're pushing that to that kid in primary school or high school, uh, I haven't seen anything come back home, uh, from my daughter. Um, be the best thing they could do not to. Um, but I haven't seen anything like that down my neck of the woods. But that's why I brought that up is there. I know of some people as well who have been, you should really consider voting yes, otherwise there could be ramifications. Like, whoa, hang on, you can't do that. Now, does this become a case like 18C in Victoria where we have our defined hate speech laws, but because it's very murky and grey and is as what constitutes as hate speech, it has a little spiel about... Um, bigotry towards gender, sex, religious like orientation, all that type of stuff. But it really comes down to who's in government and who's going to push it and define what the hate speech is. So when these coercion laws come into place, is it really only coercive when one team of politics decide it is and they can dismiss everything else, which on its face really is coercion? Yeah, I think you, I think you could be right, mate. It's, and we've seen, you know, history tells us that the any incoming party doesn't get rid of what the previous party put in place. Not so they're all. gonna they're gonna jump all over that regardless. You know, if that stays, they're gonna jump all over that. So I, I don't think that changes and they just continue along with it, try and keep the status quo of what what has been put in place originally. Yeah, well this is the theme I'm seeing out of the Yes campaign. Um they did their whole big Yes rally across the nation where they got apparently tens of thousands of people, if not a hundred thousand people at one point they were trying to spruik. That was only the only, what I would consider real grassroots level campaigning from them. I haven't had a door knock. I still haven't had a flyer in the, in the letterbox. Everything I'm still seeing seems to be at the higher echelons of what you would consider society. The academics, the politicians, their celebrities, big cities, not a lot of regional or outer suburbs type of stuff. I'm not seeing the push out that, the, if that on paper they really should have been doing a long time ago. It's like they've completely given up on trying to change the average Australian's mind on this. They're trying to tell the elected elites or the elected knowledgeable people of society how to vote and they think that's going to get them through. What, what do you think about that, Stella? 
Well, that's funny you should mention that because I was going to ask you, had you received anything yet, like in the mail or what have you? Um, so that's a no, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's a no. Um, I actually, I, I got a, I got a spare referendum booklet here if you want me to post you one. <laughs> I've got two. You'd have to express so, um, post it. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it'll change my mind at this point. <laughs> they've sort of, yeah. So they've really dumped a few into certain areas, I guess. I'm, I, I wonder why. Yeah. Um, I'm very close to the Southern Cross University. So that's a pretty hot spot, I would say. So maybe that's why it's a bit thicker around here because I'm certainly not in a city. I'm in a regional, I suppose, yeah. So um, that's funny. You haven't received anything yet because I've got two referendum booklets and what's the other thing? Oh, the yes, the yes. We're going to convince you now to vote yes. And don't worry about the facts. Just read this little tiny bit here. (laughs) Um, There's no no stuff, though. I haven't received any no pamphlets. So... Yeah, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of effort going into the yes thing, isn't there? And not like no, it's almost like the truth is just standing on its own, which is kind of fun to watch. Well, yeah, it's, this has like been the only time I've seen a like you know a, what I mean? some kind of a national vote, Stella, where it's one the opposition doesn't actively have to campaign or put anything into it. Like the the yes not campaign are slitting their much, own throat yeah, in a lot of ways compared to the yeah. I think with some of those things, yeah. uh, Stella, where you're talking about the um, referendum pamphlets and whatnot, see a lot of um, people around the place. And I, I do a fair bit of travelling from Queensland, like southeast Queensland to central Queensland. Um, and I know, Lyra, you do a fair bit as well. I see a, a, a fairly, it's pretty standard where people are trying to convert the converted, like the they're talking to the people who are already going to vote yes or no to make themselves feel better instead of, hey, listen, Drew, you're voting yes. Have it, can we have a conversation? I just want to get your understanding of it and I'll give you mine and we might be able to work out a middle ground. Yeah, well, this is the interesting thing and Lyra can attest to this because we've been in a hell of a lot of spaces in the last month or so. A lot of the people who we know who are campaigning for no with the feedback we're getting from them is every time they they see someone who they know is most likely going to vote yes, they don't like to make eye contact with the no campaigners, the people that are handing out pamphlets who want to have a conversation. It's like they're already locked into their own little echo chamber and they're not even willing to entertain the idea of talking to someone. So they're not even going down the route of um, the the mark of an educated man as being able to talk to someone with an opposing view and not take it and not actually change your mind. You can still listen to them but it doesn't change your perception on things. They're not even willing to do that. So that's an interesting take that we've got, like you said, they're preaching to the already ordained or the people that are already on their side. It's almost like a level of smugness. They're bathing in each other's virtue to try and tap each other on the back to show that they're the good, the nice people. Um, when you, they do, when they do get into these conversations, Lyra, a lot of the people, unfortunately, and I don't like to speak ill of people, but the yes campaigners that I've, I've come into contact with on spaces, not necessarily in real life. I think spaces and the internet gives people a level of anonymity and a bit of safety so they can really unload on people. The people we've seen, Lyra, who are very yes campaign, they haven't been respectful, they haven't been cordial, and they haven't pulled any punches about 
calling you isms and this racist, biggest, homophobe, transphobe, anything they can throw at you to try and dismiss your genuine questions and concerns about this. Is that the um, the feeling that you get from people within our spaces recently, Lyra? Within spaces, there seems to be quite a divide happening where there's not a whole lot of yes and no discussion going on. Previous experience, um, I'd say majority aren't overly keen on the back and forth conversation. It's sort of like you just don't see pretty much. Uh, but I have had a few people who did have um, conversations where they listened in this or more and sort of came back up and said they had actually changed their minds. Um, I've sort of had back and forth, but with what Wade was saying, you know, I've just travelled up past Emerald and back himself, so um there's not a whole lot of talk happening around it to be honest um uh you know you see a few signs on fences here and there but it's not overly um out here but once you start to get to Toowoomba you know you're starting to really see the ramping of um people you know information getting spread and things like that but I'm the information spreader out here I had uh 200 car stickers printed and uh, at our local town show, I, I went hard and uh, had a whole store where I sold my Aboriginal artwork and had a no campaign thing happening as well to our member for parliament. So uh, it all makes a difference, doesn't it? So, <laughs> God, that must yeah. have turned a few heads. The fact that you're an, a First Nations woman selling Indigenous art and have no stickers on the ready, that must have made quite a few people who lean left in their political persuasions a bit, a bit, gobsmacked and dumbfounded I'd say yeah so I've got like stickers at the local shops in town and uh, when I traveled I put some here and there as well and yeah um it's interesting because the feedback I had was oh you're game to have these and she's oh what for you know to oh having those stickers there and then they say oh you know Lyra dropped them off and they're like oh and it just makes people stop and think for starters, because, you know, everyone knows me and uh, they're just like, well, that's interesting. Can't see why. Anyway, so then, you know, if they look into a little bit more, I've had people approach me. Um, I've had people message me and say, hey, I've got a friend who um, is voting yes. You know, do you have some information from your perspective that you could send? And, you know, so the conversation, I suppose, is what's happening. And um, But, yeah, there's definitely some issues with both campaigns. Rebel News has been um, one of their websites was shut down today. I believe uh, they were trying to get information out about Palestine and Israel. I think for them to access by the sounds of it, but yeah, so that's been shut down. So he's having issues, and um, the Purple Signs. So the Yes campaign, Purple Signs, <laughs> similarly match the AEC signs. And so there's been a fair bit of movement happening about that. The AEC have received a number of complaints. They have put out a rule that it has to be six metres from where the campaigning, like, you know, uh, the door is by the sounds of it. And so, yeah, it's just, it's a show. It's turned wild. And then the AEC has also said, because people were getting four ballots in the mail, and there's, they're saying, oh, I've got four ballots, you know, like, why is that? And they're saying, oh, just in case anyone's at your house and needs to vote. But uh, obviously that's a bit of an issue because it's an anonymous vote. And the AEC openly well, said that... It doesn't have your details on it. You just write down what your position is in your 
pop it in. That's the problem. That's right. Yeah. So there's no way to track if people are putting multiple ballots in and therefore <laughs> lies the issue um, because the AEC said that they basically have to accept them. There's no way to tell which ones are multiples. Now, I've got to outline this for our international listeners and particularly the Americans. They'll probably find this. They've got their own issues of voter fraud and election rigging potentially happening. But we've got our own unique thing going on. What Lyra was alluding to and was talking about was the AEC, the Australian Electoral Commission. That's the, like a governing body that helps, um, that runs the elections, counts the votes, does all that type of stuff. Supposedly a bipartisan group that ensures the integrity of our democratic process. Well, they have purple as their main colour for their logo. Um, in this referendum, the Yes campaign, who are pushing for uh, First Nations or Aboriginal voice to parliament in our constitution, they chose to use that same purple on their on their banners and advertising outside of polling booths, which in itself is a masterful, masterful technique in campaigning through um, advertising. I totally have to hand it to. I do hand it to. It's great. Unfortunately, it's not very. It's very unscrupulous. So. There's been issues of them. It looks like they're gaming the system a bit. So a lot of people have pushed back. Um, and a lot of people like Wilson, so shout out to Wilson. Uh, he's been on to him, Franny as well. They've pushed out um, to the to the governing bodies and um, federal police that, that you know, this looks like it, it could be construed as um, voting fraud or election fraud. So they've changed a lot of the terminology of how far they can have these signs from polling booths, whether it's the entrance or the actual um, physical border of the place. That's just one aspect of this. The other aspect is in Australia, for the most part, our voting is all done on paper. And at most points, it's done with a HB pencil. Now, it doesn't take a lot for someone to change a vote. The issue in elections in the AEC in in our country is that the AEC members, someone boxes them up at the end of the day or the night and drives them to their house and stores them in their house overnight. Now, it doesn't take the imagination much to say, I'm going to give this person $10,000 to spend the next 12 hours all through the night changing votes. Um, That's a possibility, although they are supposedly sealed in an envelope as well, but whether that actually happens or not, I'm not sure. Then you take into account, like Lyra said, houses have been getting multiple votes. And because these votes aren't ticked off like an electronic system for the most part, they are, there's only about 5,000 laptops nationwide for this. But the majority of them is just, uh, have you voted today? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. And they like get a ruler out and they rule your name off on a paper document. Theoretically, you could go to multiple polling booths in your electorate, vote multiple times, and they all count because they can't be looked into because it's a secret ballot. On top of that, if you've got three um, post-in ballots at your house, you could vote three times at home and then vote at three schools or three government buildings within your electorate. So you can get multiple votes all out at once. Now, the Electoral Commission says that this doesn't sway elections and doesn't change things because the amount of people would have to do it would be astronomical, but it still brings into question the integrity of our voting system. And I think this is what spooked a lot of the no campaign recently. We've had this sit back and laugh at the whole thing because their numbers are plummeting the whole time. They're going down and down percentage-wise. They've been doing our campaign for us. It's a mockery, a joke that they're trying to put forward for the yes vote. But as soon as we see these issues of voting integrity and the ability to people to play the system, I think that's got a few people concerned that there's the potential that this could be a 
a swung election via tampering. Um, what do you think about that, Wade? Oh, for sure, mate. And we, we've seen we've seen numerous people just ourselves, and I think I sent you a couple where some guy openly admitted to voting ten times in a day, then willing to go back for someone who couldn't vote. He said, "Oh, I'll go back for you, and I'll vote. I'll put a yes in for you." So essentially, he's admitting to eleven votes now. How we in this country can't count, you know, the 18, 19 million adults to vote, the minute it goes over by a margin of whatever, you'd be right a problem. But the fact that we can't is almost an allowance to do so. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so it's definitely got, sorry, it's definitely got shades of um, the American election too, because I was sort of following that. Um, with the investigation they were doing afterwards, there was a gentleman, Garland Favrito, who's a, like a forensic auditor and, um, um, yeah, anyway, I won't go into the details, but he was looking into things and, you know, the can got kicked sort of long enough just for when things are starting to be able to be shown. It's sort of like, you know, it's kind of all a bit too late because the Biden administration's almost done again. And, you know, that's just what they do. So um, all I'm saying there is that... Um, there's definitely some fuckery going on. <laughs> we know that. Um, if this actually does get through, it will be proof that there's fuckery going on because it definitely looks like at this point it's not going to be a yes um, victory. But, you know, we shouldn't take too much for granted. Um, just to address a couple of the things that you were saying before about those sandwich boards and the purple, the AEC, um, as a graphic designer, I often use the colour psychology, you know, thing for logos and what have you. And, yeah, it's just so – it's so based on psychology, what they were doing there. That is such um, – that's so deceptive. It's six metres away from the entrance of the polling area, by the way. I was just reading it the other day on the thing. Um, but, yeah, that is the purple. So, basically, what sort of happens there is a lot of it can be subconscious as well because – that is like the very last thing that people see because you're not allowed to have within that boundary, you're not allowed to have any kind of promotional material or anything that's going to sway anyone within that six metres. So they have it right on the very border, can't get any closer, and that's the very last thing that people see. Um, whether they're even conscious of it or not, they see the purple. To them, that's like authority, Australian Electoral Commission. We all We all know that. Um, so yeah, sort of psychologically, it's like authoritarian, and then they see the word yes, and it's like so. It's it's very yeah, it's very deceptive what they've done there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's exactly the same Pantone shade. Actually, it'd be interesting to look into that. Well, it's uh, which is the color. Yeah, well, it's interesting because they've had they've got five other colors in their campaign, but they chose to have all the polling booth ones as yes. as purple. Yes, I noticed that. Yes, it was like well, out of all those ones, what they got like pink, brown, yellow, aqua blue, and the purple, but they went with that purple. So yeah. <laughs> now, now I've got um, the other thing I was going to say was sorry, go for it, Sal. Sorry. All right, just quickly. The other thing I was going to say was those tweets that they put out, which were just like really in your face about the whole, you know, we can't do anything about double votes. And if they, it generally only happens to like the um, mental health or aged people tend to do that. So it's like <laughs> degrading. Um, but it's like those tweets are, they're quite in your face, aren't they? And that's almost gets into, well, maybe it does get into that whole consent thing, you know, like mm. we're showing you, we're telling you 
Well, it was the wink, wasn't it? It, it was, we don't think you can vote twice, but you shouldn't wink, wink, because yeah, it's entirely exactly. possible that you exactly. can wink, wink. Um, this brings into mm-hmm. mind, I have to go, I always have to look at, I game it out in my mind, all the possible angles it can go down. Now, in a completely black-pilled event where this referendum is gamed and has been rigged to go to the yes side, what is the public outcry going to be? Because we've been sitting on over 12 months, realistically, of the no campaign statistically always being higher than the yes. So for it to swing within the space of two weeks, possibly to yes, which would be, I'd say would be down to election fraud, what would the what would the collective outcry be from the First Nations people who are voting no on this Leary? What would you think would be the feeling after that? I think whether it gets a yes vote or a no vote, there's going to be hurt feelings uh, because there's quite emotional people on both sides, especially First Nations. So, um, you know, I think taking into account uh, things that Mel Pearson is saying, things that Matthew Langton is saying, uh, you know, Marcia Lenton saying if the no vote wins, there won't be any more welcome to country. And Noel Pearson is saying if the no vote wins, there'll be endless riots. And, um, who was it? Someone else, I think Malandiri or no, Megan Davis, I think Megan Davis connected it to Black Lives Matter. So everyone's made some pretty well connections and, even uh, Lydia Thorpe is for the No campaign, but she is for Pay the Rent. You can check out paytherent.net. Uh, she's a big supporter of the Indigenous land tax. Uh, Warren Mundine and Jacinta Price had a bit of a differing of opinions at the South Australia event because during the event, he backflipped and uh, basically supported treaty. And I've got a news clipping of him saying, because I uh, was a happy clicker the next day, so uh, I knew some things might not last very long because they were a bit controversial, but I literally have a screenshot from The Guardian saying something along the lines of uh, a split emerges between the No campaign, Jacinta and Mundine differ on treaty. So he's all for treaty and he's kind of linked to, let's say, ATSIC and the Marty Packy Agreement and things like that. So there's some uh, shonky things happening on both sides. And if you look at the roadmaps that came from the Freedom of Information from the Hobart meeting, um, it's all happening simultaneously. The organisations are being set up. Uh, we've got... The independent interim body, the eminent panel, the treaty working group. Uh, so these things are all happening. The First Nations Treaty Institute. It, I don't know if it's formed yet or still in the works, but yeah, it's definitely, there's a, a wild path happening and it's already, you know, it, it's laid and it's in place. Uh, so if the voice gets up, then, you know, they'll go in hot and heavy. But the news clipping I screenshot said that uh, Warren Mundine basically said, uh, if the no voice gets up, treaty begins on the 15th of October. Well, this has kind of been the issue that I don't think a lot of the no campaigners have actually noticed. I think we've had this this almost kumbaya moment where we think we're all coming together to say no, but there's a lot of a lot of area of grey in that no area as well. Some people are straight up... No, because I don't want to pay the rent. Some people are just blatant racist and don't want to do it because of that. 
And then you've got some First Nations people who do want treaty, but they don't want it via the mechanism of a voice. They want it to be self-autonomous and self-governing, self-determining. They don't want outside powers or bodies linked to the UN to have some kind of say or control in that. They don't want another level of bureaucracy. They want their own autonomy in that. So there's always been that kind of division in the no grip that I don't think a lot of people have noticed. Um, And my concerns are, no matter which way this goes, like you said, Lyra, the campaign has been made behind the scenes. Legislation's already been pre-written. They've got their bets hedged either way. Whichever way it goes, treaty's going to happen in some kind of a fashion. Now, whether that's a federally-based one that's enshrined through constitution has greater powers in a third tier of government, or whether it's going to be at state level, which theoretically could be removed potentially. There's a lot of legal gray areas with that. Either way it happens, some kind of a treaty is going to go through. And when people realize this happens, I don't know what the, the social conversation is going to be like anymore in this country. I think that's going to create the, that divide that's created from this is going to get even bigger and it's going to get quite nasty. Wade, if that went through, say the yes vote doesn't get up, but treaty happens through the back channels and comes in in a different way, and there's no say in it whatsoever because it's the state government pushing it and outside bodies. How would you think the Queensland people would feel about that if they had huge swaths of land um, get, um, given over in treaty or given back to First Nations peoples or blocked because it has to be a green belt to protect the environment and whatnot? What would happen in Queensland for the mainstream people there who who think that by voting no, they've stopped it? Mate, to be honest... I don't think a lot of people would know or even take notice. Um, We've seen the last three years probably brought about a realisation from most people that, holy shit, people will actually let government entities walk all over them without any sort of recourse because it's easier. If, If no vote goes through and all of a sudden the path treaty, which is, you know, we all know is coming on the state level, that was one of the pieces of miss and diff's information that everyone kept saying about the no vote. We know it's happening in the background. We, we, Lear has shown us all the documents. I honestly don't think people will actually do anything or have a whinge or have a sook or rise up or anything because I posted one of those things of that guy voting 10 times the other day and one of my friends simply commented and said, why would anyone vote more than once? Why would they want to do that? And all of a sudden, I then had to show him more people. He's in awe. Oh, I didn't realise people would do that. What, what do you think I've been trying to tell you for the last several years? I honestly don't think there would be much of a backlash at all from, from most people. I, I really don't. I think that's quite sad. They wouldn't so, stand up for themselves. So would it be a case of, hey, I voted, no, my job's done, it's out of sight, out of mind, like that two-week news cycle type of a deal. I've done my job now, I'll just go back to doing whatever I do? Yeah, absolutely, without question. So this brings into question another major issue. Um, I think the bigger point of all of this has been, as big as it is, we know that like the stuff that Leah has been sharing, which is fantastic, her research is fantastic, the level of control and things that have already planned out to hedge their bets either way. I think this whole voice referendum has been a greater distraction from the misinformation, disinformation bill. And 
we're kind of doomed if we do, doomed if we don't. If the yes vote gets up, it kind of pushes that, you know, the narrative is in play, no one's pushing back, let's just go for it, we're going to bolt to the finish line. If no gets through, it also gives the federal government the ability to go, see, that election was stolen because people were sharing misinformation and disinformation, they were lying online, they pushed the public perception to a different angle, which wasn't true, that's a threat to our democracy, we need this misinformation bill. We have to push it through. So what happens in that situation then, Stella, that we think we've got this victory, but uh, the rug's been pulled out from us and we've realised that there's something far bigger and more dangerous below us happening? Well, it, it is true. It is like being between a rock and a hard place because um, they they know what they're doing bef- well before they do it. Um, they have all the scenarios already covered because they, when I say they, the people orchestrating the agenda um, because they've had these think tanks organised and, and thinking and tanking for, you know, decades. So um, they know sort of how to make the moves and what moves to make when. They know how big the Overton window is and they also know what to pull out of the hat at certain times. Um, they're always doing their litmus tests to just check to see where they're at. And then they'll have a little meeting, scurry behind closed doors and have their meetings, like little cockroaches. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that's, I think it's all kind of pretty much sorted out. And as you say, it's sort of, you know, it's a bit of a no-win situation for us people, peasants, <laughs> whatever you want to call us. Um, because, yeah, it's, it, it is pretty much a plan and they've got all bases covered. Um, it's there's a, there's always a chance that things can go awry for them, um, but uh, I think they're pretty yeah they got pretty much all bases covered yeah. Now I, I tend to think so, this this gives them a an air of confidence and they become too cocky and too big for their britches because it seems like since COVID all these agendas things that are happening all at the same time simultaneously they've sped it up they've really pushed the pedal down on the gas and they're going hell for leather they're really making it happen which has given them that level of cockiness. And I think they're showing their hand a little bit too much. Maybe that's us. Just, we see that we've got that pattern recognition. We can see what's happening, but I honestly feel like the more average person out there is starting to notice things or they're starting to question. They're seeing inconsistencies, things that don't add up with their worldview that's previously been in place for the past 20, 30 years. So in regards to the things that are happening with our country, Lyra in, um, in respect to, the UN creating that back door to kind of have this massive land grab in your interaction with people online, because of the, the great content you're sharing and you're kind of blowing the lid on this for a lot of people. Do people honestly seem shocked at this? Is their worldview kind of broken by the information you're giving to them? Well, I would just like to thank uh, the United Nations for their perfectly worded uh, declaration, because I'm able to literally say, you know, the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. And then I accidentally stumbled across the Australian First Peoples Congress or something like that and uh, and how they're going to implement UNDRIP in Australia in great detail and I printed that bad boy out. So, you know, I had a lot of fun with that with sticky notes and things and so I can, you know... It's it's so extensive, and so when you kind of just share little bits of information, because obviously it's so overwhelming. Um, 
So, you know, lots of trawling and some uh, ideal snaps there. Uh, I am using a pencil though. So, you know, forgive my wonky pen sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the play, like the full steam ahead with the boys at this point in time, they can't slow down. Uh, this is the ultimate goal. They, uh, there's this company called Closing the Gap. What a name. So Closing <laughs> the Gap. Uh, yeah, Mark I Tyson. accidentally found, I don't know, did you guys see the one I shared uh, where it had uh, It sounds like it's going to be sold at Cotton On. And the emails. Honestly, they had so much promo stuff. I was like, wow, that was well planned, you guys. A lot of work went into that. They had this stuff ready to go a long time ago. I can tell you, they had pins, all sorts of pins. They had shirts that say voice, shirts that say truth, shirts treaty, uh, all in Aboriginal colours, different styles. They almost got that real. merchandise and out ready quicker than the the Pfizer vaccines. It seems like they, <laughs> <laughs> they had a little bit of time. Uh, yeah, can, it's safe and effective, that's for sure. It's okay. just a... Uh... I was just going to say, I've got this in front of me, the implementing the undrip thing, and just what you're saying there about the closing the gap. I'll, I'll just read this little little article, uh, paragraph here. Um, Australia has identified the closing the gap strategy as its key policy platform to give effect to the declaration. Um, to date, this process has been government-led without significant engagement of indi- Indigenous communities in setting priorities or in delivery. Australian governments have committed to address this through the 2019 National Partnership Agreement on Closing the Gap, which involves the coalition of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peak bodies as partners and decision makers. So that's sort of what they've, that's what they're doing to implement the undrip thing. That's what they're using. Is that, that's right, isn't it? Yeah. And that, Stella, leads into, Lyra, that document you were talking about. That's a whole other document. Yeah, it's, it's actually the Australian Human Rights Commission is pushing that implementing the UN DRIP um, initiative and they're using it. It's, it's the full document. I, I, I would bet my left foot that it is that Australian Human Rights Commission and people have often said to me, oh, that's just a lot of shit. And I'm just like, oh, so you're telling me this document, this one right here that says Australian Human Rights Commission doesn't exist is that what you're telling me you're telling me this doesn't exist and at that point the fluoride stare yeah. comes on and change the topic yeah well it says right here implementing the undrip the recommendation for that is sorry about that uh government develop a national program to implement undrip and schedule it to the definition of human rights in the human rights parliamentary scrutiny Scrutiny Act 2011. So yeah, it's um they have to yeah, bring it in so under the human rights thing, I think. Too. Yeah, we signed a treaty with the UN for the human rights, and in the parts of Treaty Act, uh, in is it, I can't forget this. I can't remember the uh, title, but um, under who's in charge, the principles. So the primary principles was number one, subsection subsection one was the Human Rights Act 2019, and underneath that was UNDRIP, and then subsection 2 for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, 
And then all throughout, it wherever it said uh, basically Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people, blah, 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 it would say without limiting subsection one. But that also gives them the power to enforce their treaties like World Health and things like that uh, all under the human rights. Mm, yep, yep. Well, on the back of that, we all know about the UN DRIP um, documentation and initiative. I actually come across something probably about an hour before we jumped on today. It goes along the lines of the, the UN DRIP uh, initiative, and it's you, you guys may have seen it, but I don't think a lot of people have. It's the United Nations Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues. And the title of the document is Indigenous Peoples' Collective Rights to Lands, Territories and Resources. Now, if that doesn't, if that doesn't give people the understanding that, hey, the UN's going to use the Indigenous people of Australia, New Zealand, wherever, as the Trojan horse to get them in to get a hold of the resources, the rights, the lands and territories, well, I don't know what people need to see. Do you know what it reminds me of, Wade? It actually reminds me of what the Roman Empire did. The Roman Empire got to a point where they realised they were spread pretty thin across Western Europe and they couldn't actively keep sending in legions to decimate uprisings. So what they would do is they would make vassal states. They would leave the king in control, but they would sign a contract, similar to what's happening now, with that king that says... You will remain king of this empire, but none of your heirs will actually retain your lands. Upon your death, it will be signed over to the Roman Empire and your children will become vassal leaders. So um, governors and such like that. We're seeing just the updated version of this through the UN. They're pushing out things like UNDRIP and, and policies like treaty that eventually just lead all back to them. It's like all roads lead to Rome, all roads lead to the UN with this. And people just don't realize it. And like Lyra and Stella have been saying, these things are either already in place, hidden away, or these government bodies and politicians, they've got a a briefcase full of these things ready to table them in Parliament and go, here we go, the yes vote is up now, push this through. It's signed off, it's done, here we go. Yeah, it's just like they're just waiting for the linchpin. Yeah, sorry, Lyra, um, you were talking about the maps, go for it. Yeah, so uh, I printed the maps out. So the National Native Title Tribunal, NNTT. So if you Google NNTT maps, uh, the first link should basically be the correct one. <laughs> and uh, it's so specific. It's hilarious. Anyway, when it comes up, you'll scroll down and it'll give you the options for the national maps, the state maps, and then the more local individualized areas. You'll note uh, the national map basically shows representative bodies, but it'll be under rats, and that shows basically all the land councils, so to speak. So if you click in the national section and you click another one that says Native Title Determinations, that'll give you a, this green and brown um, map, and it sort of tells you that where Native Title exists, exclusive and non-exclusive and then it shows the native title does not exist and there's another section for native title extinguished so not within the determination area so do you recall i was talking about the noongar agreement and the southwest native title uh is what they call that area 
Well, they, according to the native title determinations, as of the 1st of July 2023, are under the section that says native title does not exist. And uh, there's, an, there's a, other, a few other sections, um, some down in South Australia, some in Queensland. Uh, looks like uh, New South Wales has the native title extinguished in one part. So, yeah, it's interesting <laughs> when you go in deeper into these maps. So uh, yeah, they're just I... hard to read, obviously. So They definitely I are. But at the first map. Like you've shared the Ratsit map on your Twitter or your X account. And I'm looking at this, the way that Australia has been divided up. It looks almost like a Hunger Games scenario where they've got different um, different zones for different people or different groupings. And it, it's almost reminiscent of the FEMA zones in the United States where the United States is broken up into FEMA camps. This is what this looks like to me. Not my saying that these will be those those situations, but they definitely have already divided up Australia into its own little map areas. And if you have a closer look, you'll note underneath each area. So say, for example, if you look at the Northern Territory, you have the Northern Northern Territory and in brackets underneath, it says NTRB. And the Southern Northern Territory, it has NTRB as well, sorry. But if you look at uh, South Australia, it has NTSP. And so if you go over to the right, the NTRB is a native title representative body and it is recognised. And an NTSP is a native title service provider and it is funded under the section. Uh, so they're just interesting distinguished when you notice that across. And if you have a look at Tasmania, it actually says no RTB and no NTSP. And uh, the Southwest Native Title, so over Perth, the Noongar Agreement, it has nothing as well. So Tasmania has nothing? Uh, yes, it says no representative title body and no title, native title service provider either. Which is very interesting because Tasmania supposedly is going to get two voices if the yes vote goes through. Yes, they do still get two representative bodies. So the people, it'll be a male and a female. That's what that's in the paper, each area. But yeah. uh, the Torres Strait will get a few more representative yeah, because Tasmania is one of the few states that is a yes state, isn't that? I think correct, it's the o- it? only Plus. one at this stage. The only one, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's. I was going to touch back on that because you were asking, um, like, why some areas are just not focusing on it all, and um, and also some states. So the paperwork that I read on the Parliament website basically said that in rural areas where Aboriginal people were most visible is where people predominantly were voting no. So um, it's mainly the areas that people aren't allowed to go into that are in quite awful, you know, conditions, predominantly missions and government-owned areas. So Mm -hmm. there's the issue in one aspect. Um, But anyhow... Mm. Which, which with, stands to reason, um, Lyra, that, um, sorry to interrupt you, stands to reason that Tasmania would still be voting yes then because most of mainland Australia, especially regional areas, have some kind of connection to um, First Nations communities. They go to school with them, they grow up with them, they play footy with them, they go to the pub on the weekend, they might have um, 
uh, local missions or something in the area. They've got some kind of a connection. They've got skin in the game. Tasmania, unfortunately, you could quite easily say that the, the First Nations people of Tasmania were wiped out quite a long time ago. Um, people do claim yeah. an, Aboriginal ancestry, but connection to mob and to country, for the most part, has been lost in that state. I'm not well versed in that area, but my cousin who works in children's services and obviously one of our mothers, she said that there were still Aboriginal people down there. And um, because I brought up the whole issue of Bruce Pascoe and we were discussing other things, and when I said that, you know, there were no Aboriginal people down there anymore, she that's just how that was laid out. So I'm not too sure, but um, that's what she was said to me. Um, but, yeah, so the focusing on particular states and from what I can see in the more recent updates, it seems to be more privileged people are voting yes because they're not suffering the current economic issues. They're not finding it hard to find a place to rent and to have bread and milk on the table because I'm seeing quite a few people having a lot of issues and struggling right now. Um you know, I went away for doctor's appointments and one of the motels I stayed at, it's just a motel that we've stayed at since we were children. And they had probably maybe eight people who were housed there from the government because they couldn't find a rental. And so, you know, very different people. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of issues happening and these are the kinds of people that are kind of going, well, you know, we see there's a fair big issue happening. And so they're focusing on particular suburbs, I guess you could say, uh, heavily Victoria, Tasmania and South Australia. They're basically the key states at the moment. Uh, Western Australia obviously backflipped after the cultural heritage laws caused such issues down there for them. So they're already quite wary. Uh, South Australia, I think that's why um, there was a bit of a rift between Jacinta and Warren because he backflipped at the major their major event down there. And so, you know, and basically steered people in, in the opposite direction, which is the direction we don't want to go in. And, you know, just the way that they're targeting um, clothing the gap, they're emails they sent out to their subscriber was, you know, X amount of days before the referendum. The date hasn't been set yet. However, uh, we think it's going to be, our bets are on like the 10th or whatever, the 14th, which I, f- I found out there's a bloody eclipse on that night. Did you know that? <laughs> of course there is. <laughs> what, what, I know, what's on... right? I was like, this a freaking eclipse on the 14th. What's on that night? And Sorry. An eclipse. An eclipse is happening on the 14th. And (laughs) New Zealand is also having some type of something. There's a vote over there for the 14th as well. Oh, wow. Everyone's going to be buying the Stella, you're going to have to hit up Gin and find out what's significant about uh, October 14th. Well, it adds up to 13. It adds up to 13. We were talking about that the other day. Um, something I notice is the Royals like to hold special events on solar. Um, they do. You know, they watch the solar maps for sure. There's yeah. a lot of esoteric stuff to do with the moon and the changing of the moon and its different positions in and the way it looks. 
I'm going to break the conversation slightly for a moment and have a break from what we're talking about. Just to thank the three of you for jumping on for this series and, and joining me. I'm going to give a bit of a competition to you guys. So I want each of you to give me what percentage you think the no vote will be. And whoever gets the closest, I will send out a you're missing the point hoodie for you for next winter. It's not very good at the moment because it's summer, <laughs> but I'll send you a hoodie to whoever gets the closest. Lyra, what do you th- percentage do you think the no vote will be? I'm hoping it's at least um, 54. Yeah. 4%. Wade? I'm going to go the exact, the exact opposite result of the same-sex marriage plebiscite, 61 to 39. Ooh. Now, to be fair... Winter in Queensland for a hoodie. This year it was on a Tuesday. <laughs> <clears throat> Might have to be some budgie smugglers or something instead. <laughs> Stella, what about you? All right, so you want the results for the real one or the rigged one? The real one. Let's just pretend it's all <laughs> okay, the democratic process <clears throat> right. is fine and it works. All right, I think I can stretch. Um, okay. Um, well, the first figure that came to mind was 58.7. Okay. So would you like me to round that up to 50, no. 50, 59? If it's 58 or 59. Oh, okay. You, Do we have to round it up? Oh, that's just All the right. teacher in me. I've 59. seen that. Well, I get... <laughs> <laughs> Show I me you're working my, out. Uh, election <laughs> statistics with extra votes. So I think realistically, it's probably more like a sixty-two percent no. Ooh. But I'm thinking that with maybe Let's some extra so. votes we're getting in the mail, it's looking like it could be a, like a fifty-five. Mm. Time will tell. Yeah, you know there's what? always those dodgy ones. If they rig it, I don't have to send you out anything, and I'm fine. I don't have to go to the post office or anything. But you know, I dare say this is going to be <laughs> no anyway. Um, and one of you will get a jumper. Um, I've been prattling on far too much. Um, does anyone have any anything about the voice campaign or anything that's happened that we haven't discussed already that you've been itching to say? Go for it. Ladies, I'll let you go first because I have a couple of topics that back up and I think I was messaging most of you about over the last couple of days and I'm itching to get it out because there's some comical stuff amongst it. So, ladies, you go first and then I'll finish off with my little bit after. Yeah, so um, just linking uh, the, you know, voice truth treaty back into UNDRIP, it, uh, you know, I was looking at self-determination specifically and uh, then you've come across things like, you know, the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People and their articles, the 46 articles that they have, and their article on self-determination is you may determine yourself as you choose. Uh, but I was looking at also, I come across accidentally this, uh, what was it, APAN, and it's the Australian-Palestine maybe Association Network or something. And, you know, they basically want the Australian, you know, the lady for Australia has said that they want the right to self-determination for Palestine. Uh, due to set, basically the settler colonial features of prolonged Israel occupation, which is what they've kind of built into Australia. So they've built in basically this what is law and 
the occupation and, you know, the way we're seeing things happening in other countries is sort of similar to, you know, things that are happening here, especially when we're looking at the way the states are getting divided and uh, the push for people not being able to afford to live in certain states, as we've seen, and um, <clears throat> the way things are going, uh, the repossession and the way that things are getting handed back. So it's getting quite sticky. I see they've just shut down, or well, they're shutting down Barramundi fishing in Arnhem Lands. What's going on? That's a big one for tourism because, you know, everyone wants to get on the Barras. Yeah. It's a very big market, yeah. Right. Uh, they closed Mount Warning down in New South Wales. So it, it seems yeah. like they're, they're, yeah, there's, there's definitely, there's a trend that's happening there where they, they're, ch- they're shutting all these things down. But it's interesting that you made that connection with Palestine and Israel. Now, the only difference I can see there is that a lot of people are pushing for Palestine having the same kind of uh, the rights as what the UNDRIP is doing, right? But then there's it's just so polarised in that regard because the Israelis can always pull out this 2,000-year-old book and say, or 2,000-year-older book and say, no, this is our lands according to this, so you're the people who are interloping and we're the natives. Whereas the rest of the world, the rest of the Western world, for that matter, that has a colonial past, um, the white people are always the people who have colonised. That's just the way history points it out because it's proven in fact. Whereas it's kind of like this mixed, blurred issue where they want to apply that same method to the Israel-Palestine kind of conflict but spin it in a direction where it doesn't quite work. Well, I mean, I haven't read the Bible, but I do recall Moses was walking around with the Israelites and was looking for a home for them. Um, (laughs) So it's just something I note. And uh, something else I note was David and Goliath. David was an Israelite and Goliath was the last Philistine giant and he killed him before he took over the land. So um, I'm not quite sure who's supposed to be there, but uh, even the United Nations... uh, picture that I shared with you, that status, that Twitter page or whatever, um, you know, it kind of showed what it looked like in the 40s and the progression that's happened since, which even go against, goes against um, the declaration that was put in place. The Balfour Declaration, so, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, there's issues happening with that. We've got Australia supporting Palestine. Then we've got uh, Senator Wong kind of backflipping and going the other way. So even our senators aren't sure which way they're supposed to be going. Um, it's, a, it's a sticky situation. And with the way that the UN is set up, we're already a part of treaties with the UN. Uh, so there's, you know, I'm not quite sure what happens if they basically call us to arms because it basically states that we are, you know, according to Queensland's part of the Treaty Act, the Human Rights Declaration are basically in charge. And if the voice gets up, they're in charge of the Commonwealth and the other states, and that's what it says. As far as legislative power allows, the other states and Commonwealth. So if they were to get up with the voice, they'd have ultimate powers. But as it sits, if it flops, the the treaties, which, as I came across, are basically the Australian Parliament called it lesser-than-treaty-status instruments. And Uluru statement, word statement, they actually give this really cool um, 
two-page graph of how they like to implement words in Australia because uh, it basically says Australians don't like forceful words and so we have to soften it and, and use these other words instead. So instead of treaty, we say macarada. Because they want it to sound very indigenous and then it's fine if they say yeah. that. They can't say the, what the, the actual legal definition of it is. It's, um, it's, it is quite concerning and I commend you on all the research that you've done, Lyra, because not only is it a very harrowing thing to find this stuff out and see how deep the rabbit hole really goes, but to be someone who's First Nations and looked into this yourself and spread this information, it's a fantastic thing. So I, I absolutely thank you for doing that. Um, you're an asset to the, the Twitter community and Australians at whole. And even after this is all said and done, I dare say you're, you're that far down now. You just don't want to stop and you want to keep looking into everything. So keep it up, but don't forget to come up for air sometimes. Yeah, my mum said, you're not going to become a politician, are you? And I was like, no way. I would be a, maybe an investigative journalist at best. <laughs> Citizen journalist, there you go. But don't watch out because the disinformation, misinformation bill will put you out of work pretty quickly. Oh, I said if I become a comedian, then it's all good. <laughs> it's true because it's for comedy and entertainment purposes. <laughs> Stella. I mean, you have you seen go- Roseanne Barr lately? Oh yeah, she's uh she's all over it. She's not wrong. She said a lot of things that have become quite true. Stella, how about you? What 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 are you itching to get to? Uh, it's probably stuff that I've said before. Just basically, I think um you know even though it's it's copped a lot of flack. Um, seriously, if you don't know, then vote no because uh you can't undo the yes. So you know if you make a mistake and find out later what this is really about, uh, you can't undo it. So um, it is important that you vote, and this is a, this is purely a yes or a no um, situation. So there's no crosses, there's no ticks, nothing like that. There's just two words, yes or no. And if you don't write a yes or a no, uh, preferably a no, then it won't be counted. So, um, yeah, Have, do your bit. Let's let's pretend it is real, <laughs> and there is a, an actual outcome. Um, uh, I mean, the, the last referendum, nineteen ninety nine, that didn't go through. So, um, you know, I guess there's some weight in it there. Um, the other thing I was going to mention, I don't know when this show goes out, Drew. Uh, either it'll be, be either tonight so. or tomorrow. It'll definitely be out before Saturday. Oh, okay, it's worth mentioning then. Um, they were saying if, if you wanted to get more involved, uh, you can go to volunteerfornow.com.au um, and you can volunteer to be one of those people that stand at the, you know, near the ballot area and if somebody wants to ask questions, you can answer them or you can hand out things or what have you. Um, so you can volunteer to do that if that's so, in- if you're so inclined. Um, yeah, that's pretty much about it. Just be smart. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'd, I'd be here hopeless. Yeah, I'd be telling them all about everything else as well. <laughs> <laughs> Before we jump to Wade, I've got a comment um, on the, uh, if you don't know, vote no. How is the gall, the balls on one of Australia's most prominent media presenters, were considered at one point to be one of our greatest journalists, Ray Martin, telling people, if you don't know, go find out. Well, I did find out, Ray, and it turns out the UN's trying to take Australia from me. 
And then it's just, it's the, it's the yeah. edged sword. You go find out and they call you a cooker. What's the point? You do what they tell you to do and you still get ostracized for it. Yeah, I don't know what the story is with old Ray there. I mean, he should know better. Ray's trying to keep Sorry. the narrative. With, um, if a few of them have jumped on. We've had uh, Jonathan Thurston jumped on board. Kathy Freeman jumped on board. Adam Good Yvonne jumped Gulligan. on board. But then he's then turned around and abused somebody, so that didn't work out too well for him. No, it didn't. Now, to to be fair, I don't, there hasn't been any footage of that. The woman has told her side of the story. Um Pretty damning if it's true. Pretty damning if it's true. Uh, allegedly. Allegedly. There we go. That's that legalese we needed before we get sued. Thank you. <laughs> Wade, what did you find? Right. Now, for something so um, serious about this country, I want to talk about some of the idiocy that is out there from prominent people, and you just mentioned oh, fucking Ray Martin, the idiocy that is coming out from some of these people that if anyone paid attention, it would you would just go, nah, that, that cannot be the leader of our country or that cannot be the leader of this. Now, I think I mentioned to all of you over the last few days about the Channel 7 investigative roundtable, so to speak, with Ray Martin, some Indigenous senator from... Um, New South Wales, Jacinta Price and Lydia Thorpe. So there were two for the yes, which was Ray and the lady from New South Wales. I can't remember her name. Um, And then for the no, there was... Yes, that's her. So for the no campaign, there was Lydia and Jacinta Price. Now, if that was a prize fight, Jacinta Price has walked out of that with not a scratch on her and Ray Martin has broken arms, broken nose, smashed cheekbone, he's got a punctured lung and he's busted his spleen. I have never seen a person, woman, man, child, one of the other 76 genders come out and dismantle someone so amazingly well on national television as what Jacinta Price did to Ray Martin. It was phenomenal. And at that point, you know, Drew knows my stance on my hatred for all things government. I said to my wife, I said, I said she could get me to vote for her and cheer her on as a government leader. It was the most um, dominant display of fact and level-headed discussion, and she has single-handedly absolutely obliterated Ray Martin in front of millions of people. Now, throughout that throughout that um, special that they aired, following Jacinta dismantling Ray, the host dismantled Ray. And amongst that, he's absolutely taken Ray to task to the point where Ray has not been able to answer. He led him to, Rotto, you called people who didn't, who no voters are, what do you say, dinosaurs and dickheads. Now, if anyone's seen that footage, Ray never once said those words in that order. He said it's only dinosaurs and dickheads that don't look into it and vote no. So he's played on the words that hasn't gone. And Ray said, no, I didn't say that. I said this. So this guy has then said, so does that go the same for yes voters? And Ray took a step back and he's gone, 
Well, yes, if they don't research and they don't know what they're voting yes for, they're dinosaurs and dickheads. He has single-handedly given his side an absolute kick in the teeth for the same reason he's done it to the no vote. He has single-handedly shot himself in the foot after Jacinta Price has dismantled him. I, I, it was about five minutes after this, I said to my wife, I said, oh, I don't want to watch anymore. That's the greatest thing ever. I'm going to bed. Now, following that, she was still watching, getting an understanding for it. And they asked some First Nations people, said, what are you voting? And they went through the middle of Australia, sort of halfway South Australia, straight up halfway through um, Northern Territory, picked these handful of people. So they picked about seven people. Four, four said they were voting yes, three said they were voting no. One of the comments, and this is the idiocy that I'm alluding to, one of the comments from one of the First Nations people, he said, we're not coming for your land or or you're paying the rent. We're not coming for those things. We don't want them. And it's like, okay, we know you yourself are not doing it, but it's the people who are pushing you to lead to this vote are doing it. So you saying that doesn't stop what we know to be true from the documents and all the data that Lyra has dug up more than all of us put together, that this is what they are doing. So even you guys have been fooled into this to think that this is not going to happen. You don't even know that you're you're the horse in Troy. And it's just like how the idiocy of, the idiocy of people is on show forever. Now, the greatest piece of idiocy comes from our esteemed leader, Mr. Albanese. Through socials this week, there was a video released of a young Indigenous lady coming to him say, hey, Albo, can you say budu? And without thinking, he's gone, budu! And the Indigenous girls around started laughing and walked away. He didn't even know what that means. And for all of our listeners, American Australia, that means penis. So he has he has not even had a think about should I say this? Should I not say this? All it's proven that he has no idea what he's going on. He is just, yep, this is great fun. And it's like, mate, this teenage girl got you to say penis in indigenous language and told the whole world to see, and you didn't even know. So the idiocy of the people in and around this referendum is it would make the entire world go man you aussies are dumb as shit very sad ray martin would say that makes <laughs> it's him okay, a dinosaur but... and a dickhead yeah sorry sally you go yeah it's it's yeah sorry i've got a little slight delay it's a bit jerky um yeah no it's okay i'll just work the details out later well, he said he already knows the conclusion, so there was no need to just... Ladies and gentlemen, our Prime Minister. That was the full quote. Yeah, uh, I haven't read I wonder, it. I wonder if I he's read the pages. statement yet. But but he's got mm. it up on his fridge. He's got that single page on his fridge and he reads it every day. What a good bloke. Probably up next to his picture of a tractor he drew in when he was grade three. Sorry, yeah. guys, that was my rant. I, I have been sitting on that all week waiting to talk to you guys about it. It's a bit long, but there was some just comical shit in there that had to get out. 
it was quite, it was quite interesting because I went back and watched it after the fact. I didn't even realize it was on, and the ability that they took him to task, you, you could see that he was definitely the reporter of the day that worked off a teleprompter. He had no real legitimate thought that he could articulate in a way that could present his positions. And for Lydia Thorpe to be destroying someone of all people, she doesn't have two brain cells to rub together at the best of times. I'm not a biggest fan of her personally as a politician or a person. I think she's a bit rude, a bit outspoken in certain things when she's not actually educated on them. That's just my position. But for the the right side of things, for her to destroy him like that, that was amazing to see. Yeah, I I sort of wondered about an embarrassment to our people. <laughs> but yep. uh, she's also was part of the Greens and paid by Mark Lebler, so Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, I've been wondering about her the whole time. She just seems like a taint agent to me because she yeah, really uh, hasn't. Paytherent.net. Yeah. The sad thing, yeah. Lyra, was that she was a completely different human being on that segment. She was articulate. She made her point very obvious. She was open to treaty, which we're all against. But she was articulate. And it's like, who is this chick? This is not Lydia Thorpe. She was a completely different person. And it hurts to say she did extremely well. Well, maybe that was Lydia Thorpe. And what we're seeing in the public is the persona that she plays. Mm, That's what I was thinking. I did see a snippet and it was really the part that I saw that was I do need to go and watch the whole segment. Um, but my mum did share something with me where Natalie Barr lost it at Albanese. Did you guys see that one? No. That was epic. Natalie Barr. A- oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. I saw a comment. Someone said, when did Nat Barr grow a pair of balls? <laughs> well, you can't assume these days, Wade. Women can have testicles she, and penises. There's plenty of spare ones floating around, I think. That's just giving me horrible images in my mind, Stella. <laughs> Lyra, please tell me well, about you know, this so I can get out of my head. <laughs> so what was said? Uh, what did even... she say to him? Uh, who else saw it? Honestly, I can't recall exactly what was said. I watched it once. But, uh, yeah, she just called him out on he's saying there's no details and, you know, sort of just digging a little deeper and he kind of backflipped and she called him out on some point. And he, he, I, I take it he would have done the... I take it he would have done the typical politician answer and no, what I said was then played along for five minutes not actually answering the question. Typical politician speak. It wasn't even a long clip. It was a very short clip that she sent me and um, I remembered having a giggle and <laughs> just thinking the way that she really kind of arced up. She'd had enough and she lost it. She was actually aggressive and she had him on the hop. It was it was impressive to watch for a chick who's normally been very laid back, very casual, but mate, she went amazingly at him. And he every time he tried to answer, she would have just shut him down straight away and take him to task. It was amazing to watch. Well, this is quite embarrassing for a, a leader of a country that potentially could be losing a referendum he's backed since election night. Like he he absolutely ran on the idea of having a voice go through after um, Uluru's statement of the heart. He's built his whole campaign up until this point on the voice. So if this fails, maybe we should end the show on this. Do you see Albanese remaining prime minister or is he knifed in the back by his own party? 
Well, Natalie Barr literally pulled him out on saying he bet the election on this pretty much. And uh, he said, I didn't say that. That's what they were talking about. And she said, well, if it fails, you know, you've said that it was a sure win and that, that's kind of like bad on your part. And uh, so I honestly, I'm not sure how he's lasted in his party this long with many mistakes that he's made. But I think they'll definitely keep him in until after the referendum and maybe the no miss this bill and we'll see what happens. When's the next election? Is it next year or 26? 26, I thought. Hmm. The Queensland yeah, states before that one. Yeah, I just know that Bill Shorten's waiting in the wings like a golem, like a little troll hanging out. He wants it so bad, he's never going to get it. Uh, it's Billy, is it? Abbott will try again. Possibly. Mm. Tanya Plibersek will slide in right underneath everything. Yeah, she'll place a knife between the third and fourth rib and just silence him, and she'll have it. That's, yeah. Someone threw out Blair O'Neill from Queensland the other day. Hmm. Interesting. I accidentally ran into her at the doctor's surgery one time. It was interesting. I don't even know who that is. She's now the governor of Queensland. She used to be the governor of Hell, I believe, and now she's the governor of Queensland above Adipolisher. And her husband, Graham something, he was something to do with um, microscopy. And now he's like a teacher at Griffith University. Hmm. And so she's got some interesting positions and connections. And well, yeah, like she'd be connected Anna as. kind of falls here. Yeah, if Anna Palaszczuk falls here, which there's been talk of her falling. I don't know. I, um, I mean, she's definitely signing a lot of paperwork, but so is Craig Crawford and David Littlepower just seems like, you know, the whole uni party at work again. No matter which way we turn it all, all paths lead to treaty. <laughs> it's it's mm. <laughs> kind of how it is at, the point, at this point. Um, the South Australia First Nations voice bill. I mean, yeah, it's happening. It's it's all there. Well, it's 10 o'clock here. It's only 9 o'clock for you Queenslanders because, you know, you don't follow times like we do. So let's go around the horn. If you have any last words to say. Let the listeners know it's the last chance people get to hear this before the referendum. Stella, how would you like to start off? Yeah, um, I've pretty much said everything. Just um, it's going to be a disaster if this yes gets through. Um, not sure what's going to happen if it doesn't, but we'll just have to wait and see. It'll be interesting to um, talk again. Maybe are we going to talk about it afterwards, do you think? I think we will. Just show. Just maybe a week or two after, like Lyra said, I think it's yeah. it's a bit of divisive issue, and I think it could cause a lot of heartache for people. So I'll be respectful of that, and I'll talk about it after the two week news cycle because things tend to die down after that point, and I think then we can have a, a conversation after a few things have happened and things have transpired. So dust settles a bit, yeah. And you can sort of see what the shapes are. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, cool. Well, thanks for having me. It's been good to chat about this along the way, and I've certainly learned a lot. And um, thanks, Lyra, for going through all those boring documents for everybody. <laughs> good to meet you, Wade, through this. And um, you can find me at Union of the Unknowns, um, occasionally with the Propaganda Report, and Easy Peasy Podcast on um, Monday morning live, Monday Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> Australian. 
daylight saving. Gosh, they've got all these time it's things going way on. Way too so much, you... isn't it? Yeah, way too much. Yeah. Like you need to be an astronomer <laughs> to tell what time of the year we're in. Lyra, what would you like to finish up on? Uh, just like to say uh, thanks for the opportunity to speak. It's, um, you know, I had a few people listen to the podcast last time and they were like, oh, you sound like so smart. Because <laughs> I'm usually kind of, holy crap, this is this new thing I found and I waffle a lot. And so they get the kind of unrefined version what you guys get. So <laughs> I test it out on them first. <laughs> they give me tips on how to break it down a little because I'm talking uh, over people's heads sometimes. But, um, you know, it's great to have the conversation and everyone's input, uh, all the dialogue, you know, it combines and we're able to paint some, some pretty wild pictures here. So uh definitely helps having all of us work together. And, um, yeah, just uh, like to final, final finish on uh, it's against our customs to speak for other tribes. You know, we're not supposed to speak for anybody else and they're not supposed to tell our tribes how to function. And, you know, this goes down to what, you know, tribes having different languages and different laws and, you know, how different culturally they can be, even though they're not too far apart in what appears distance. So, you know, not speaking for other tribes, it's breaking our tribal law. And taking our voice off country, you know, that's basically what's happening. And it's uh, quite deceptive in the way that it's been painted and there are mixed emotions. So I think uh, maybe not cheering if we get a yes or a no. Uh, ideally, hopefully it's a no. But, you know, if we're all out there spoken and cheering about how happy we are, that's kind of going to come across not the greatest. So... I think, yeah, definitely um, considering your approach when you're coming back and, you know, reporting on how you feel about the results and, mm. um, yeah. Good point. Good point. Keeping yeah. our eye out on treaties. Part of the Treaty Act Queensland, she's doing some things. Yeah. I think we have to be, like you said, we have to be, we have to be gracious in our win, hopefully, when that happens. And... Um, from my perspective, I think this whole thing has been the most divisive, culturally insensitive, on its face racist policy that's ever been tried to put put through. Like you said, Lyra, it's making the, the it's giving tribes or clans or mobs the ability to speak for people they shouldn't be speaking for. It's going to have the ability to take away Australians' land. It goes so much deeper than what it is on its what it's being sold on, and we've seen that through a one page document becoming thirty eight pages. That should be enough to give people concern. Um, Wade, how would you like to close up? Yeah, mate. Look, I think at the end of the day, as far as I'm concerned, everyone is equal to each other. Whilst we all bleed red, until someone starts bleeding yellow or green, well, then they're different. But whilst we all bleed red, mate. I, the fact that the the ruling parasite class that we know of keeps coming up with ways to divide us. If if the no gets up, like Lyra and Stella have said, stay humble. If the yes vote gets up, don't get aggressive. Stay humble and educate people. Um, it's been quite eye-opening for me, uh, and I can confirm, Lyra, the last episode you guys did that I couldn't be on, actually confirmed three people had changed their mind. So three people, a guy I work oh, with cool. and his mother and father had actually changed their mind after that episode from your statement. So, you know, it does work. 
education information does work. Um, I just think I said this in the first time we ever spoke, Drew, talk to people. Talk to them. Don't talk at them. Have a conversation and just say, hey, listen, can you tell me why? I just want to understand. And I think I think if people just be people instead of wanting to be right, which is a fucking terrible idea, then maybe one day we'll all realise that, hey, we should be after them, you know, the they, the them, not the, the pink and purple fucking-headed people, but the idiots in charge that, hey, we rule them, not the other way around. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, um, they, sorry, they, Sal, go. they bleed green. They bleed green, those ones. Um, I was just going to say to um, oh, I changed one person's mind this week, so that was a win. And um, don't forget to pray as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is it. I think, like we've alluded to, this isn't the end of it all. We need to be humble in a win that's potentially going to come through. Let that two-week news cycle kind of die down. Let the dust settle. And then we think we've got bigger fish to fry. I think whatever way this goes, bigger wheels are in motion and it's up to us to throw a stick in the spokes of the the big machine that's trying to make our lives harder every day. And that only happens like Wade says through conversation. So, you know, on the horizon, the next one's going to be treaty coming in at state level. And after that's misinformation, disinformation bill. There are bigger battles ahead and this one might've been long and wore people down and took so long. It was divisive, but in the grand scheme of things, this is only a, a speed bump in the way of what's coming. And it's up to all of us to be well-researched and have those conversations with people that we may not necessarily agree with. And on that note, we will catch you next time. Hey everybody, it's closing time. You don't gotta go home, but you can't stay here.